like I said, I listened to the first Spidey episode. It really wasn't up to par. It's okay. But it got the job done. I think the first ten episodes of any podcast are really rough. Yeah. I'll be right back. Pablo, I gotta say, once again, thank you for getting those video clips. Those are gonna help immensely. I'm still working on the uh, video, but uh, those have helped immensely. It's uh, Because you can't just say, oh, you know, these studios look like this without showing these studios look like this. It's 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 very important. And uh oh boy, it's I'm watching more Spider Man as we wait for Neil and uh I'm gonna get one chance to trick these guys into letting me escape. This show is so bad. <laughs> oh yeah, I I believe uh, you do I, I don't know, Neil, did you get to see the Creporia thing? He got to see it. Did, did I tell you about that? I showed Kriporia? it to him. He, Neil's not back if I showed it to him. Oh, well, because, you know, uh, that's what sort of seals the whole argument there that we had recently. It's it's pretty clear. Everything that was wrong with the Spider-Man cartoon is wrong in that production, and that's where that its creator has complete and full control. So uh, there's no studio interference saying, make this sucky. Oh God, Creporia was so bad. It Neil watched it. Uh, Neil screamed, "This is inexcusable." Neil, I, yeah. How bad was that, it again? It was pretty fucking bad. I mean, there there were they were reusing the same CGI animation over and over. That 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 one guy like sitting up in the coffin and making some stupid joke that wasn't funny, and, and then they, they'd, they'd always. Used- Episodes. I did get to see all the four episodes. Oh, Remember no. that Limbo scene that only has the, the Limbo song in one movie, in one episode? Well, it's it's on every episode. Oh, shit! Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, and they reuse the, the same motion capture. They only change from time to time the, the models. Oh, that's, Phil Ma- that's filmation bad, literally. Yep. I don't know. I only think, three... I think... I think this is actually worse than filmation. Ooh. They've actually made something that's worse than filmation. The Webcast Beacon Network has been covering and promoting creativity and the creative process since 2007, starting with the Webcomic Beacon, a topical webcomics podcast with a jovial bunch of misfits like your local morning radio show. Also, the Webcomic Beacon Newscast recaps, reviews, and discussions of community and industry news relative to comic creators, especially of digital distribution. Also, the Trumpcast, the ever-tangential discussion of literary and visual memes. And finally, Web Fiction World. Before webcomics, there was independent and self-published web-release written fiction and literature. Find this all at webcastbeacon.com. Be sure to grab a master RSS feed or master iTunes feed and not miss a thing. All right. Uh, welcome again to Animation Aficionados. Uh, I'm your host, Ben. Join my co-host, TV's Mr. Neil. Spider-Man. Spider-Man. And we have with us uh, Pablo Prino. Spider-Lad. Oh, God. <laughs> and uh, tonight we are doing a quick revisit of the uh, 90s Marvel Animation Age, specifically the Fox Spider-Man series. Because I, because basically after we did our Spider-Man special, which you'll be, which you've already listened to if you're already a listener, uh, I did some more research after the Spider-Man special, which is foolish to me. I should have done it before, 
but uh, I like to do things backwards. Um, and I also re-listened to the uh, episode two of the Animation Aficionados where we talked about Spider-Man. So basically there's lots of things we missed and lots of things we had to clarify. Um, the Fox Spider-Man series is, first of all, mistakenly called by people Spider-Man the Animated Series. That's not the name of this show. It's not Spider-Man the Animated Series. It was always marketed as just Spider-Man. You can call it Fox's Spider-Man, Spider-Man 93, or 94, whatever year it came out in, but it's not Spider-Man the Animated Series. People call it that, call it that because they think it's as equivalent to Batman the Animated Series, and this show clearly isn't. It's a... And the fact of the matter is Bruce Tim and Paul Dini called Batman the Animated Series because they wanted to define it as something not Batman the Cartoon. Well, this Spider-Man show is Spider-Man the Cartoon, or just Spider-Man, and that's why I get upset about that mislabeling. It's, it's, it is uh, very, you know, dishonest to call it Spider-Man the Animated Series, and now I'm going to no, have Neil tell me why I, he doesn't mind that. I, I, I'm not going to say I don't mind it, because it is... It, it, it certainly doesn't deserve to be on the same level as Batman the Animated Series, but I think you're kind of portraying people as having the the, the twirling mustache, you know, sort of a villainous intent where, ah, we'll, we'll, we'll take this show that's clearly shit and elevate it to, to Batman. I don't think people are actually doing that. I, you know, I, I think it. it's a much more innocent thing, but, uh, and I can, I can say that while still saying that this show does not deserve <laughs> to be on the same level as, as Batman. Uh, Pablo? Well, that, yeah, I agree with Neil. It's it's just, you know, one way people refer to it. I don't think they're actually thinking that way. The only reason would be because that was the first time they heard the animated series, and it was pretty common back then. Like, many like the animated series and stuff like that, or the series, Godzilla the series yeah. and stuff. It was it was just kind of a meme because of Batman, where they, they just kind of attached that to Spider-Man because it was the closest equivalent uh, yeah, but that, but you know, if you're talking about blood types, closest equivalent, this would kill the donor. <laughs> anyways, uh, anyways, another thing I have to talk about is uh, Wikipedia has it wrong. Wikipedia gives a very stilted, uh, biased uh, article about this this series, saying that uh, number one, it's giving John Semper a lot of credit. Number two, it is. Uh, it is claiming that the show is animated mostly by TMS with help from some Korean studios. I rewatched this whole show. And I can tell you right now, only six episodes are TMS. But you know what? It's really not Wikipedia's fault because that's the way it's credited on the show. That's true. And I know, I know it, it's, it's obviously not that way, but, but Wikipedia has a standard, and I will always defend Wikipedia. Where, where it has to go by what's by by what you can reference. You know that's why it's always citation needed. Uh, the closest citation that they have is the show. The show credits. And, yeah, the the show credits are clearly a lie, but that's all they have. That's true. And at the time of this recording, I have sent the queries to Marvel Entertainment <laughs> for clarification of which studio they used. The assumption is right now, Acom that did the other 59 episodes. And it could be Acom or Don Yang. Uh, doing some research, several of the cast that were listed on the show credits worked on worked with Don Yang 
at the same time period, actually some of them were background artists and uh, and uh, cleaners for uh, for Mask of the Phantasm. That's how I was able to find these names because the rest of the Korean names were never to be found again <laughs> when doing searches. It's only a couple names. It's a uh, mostly some Kims, you know. But uh, honestly, honestly, this you know this show is not TMS. It's it's. Uh, it's 59 episodes of Acom and six episodes of TMS. It's uh, actually when I showed Pablo this uh, this uh, spreadsheet I made of which episode was done by which studio, you know, Pablo, weren't you shocked that they had as much as six episodes of TMS? Yeah, I'm surprised that they got that many. I mean, I remember way less, but but then I I sort of refreshed my mind with that shit, and it's like, oh yeah, these episodes are actually good. I mean, well animated at least. Except for the CG so, that they threw yeah. into a TMS episode. Oh, don't don't remind me of that. It's so gratuitous. It's uh, besides there's there's this whole. Ah, well, we will get into it later on. We 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 should go in order. We you know this is supposed to be Marvel '90s animation, not just Spidey. That, that's so true. That's, of... That well, the the main focus is is Spidey, the truth, and. Uh, the one man who is the most vocal about what happened, and I think he's not a reputable or reliable, I should say, source of events. It's uh, of course I'm talking about John Semper, and uh, and uh, we we have seen interviews of him. We have seen how fans painted him on the on fan wikis, wikias, which I know are not really Wikipedia and not really the same yeah. standard, but YouTube still. Comments too. Yeah. And John Semper is, it's, uh, Neil, Neil, give, give your impression of what, after you've read everything, what you think. My God, they, they must have had, like, mayonnaise all over their face after they got writing that article. God. It's, it, what, what wiki is it? It's The Marvel Animated Wikia. Yeah, it, it was just, like, I believe it was the entry for Spider-Man the Animated Series, and yeah, Spider-Man, it was, just Spider-Man. Oh, you, well, see, even well, I did. It was, completely innocent. <laughs> <laughs> it was completely innocent. Anyway, yeah, the wiki is for that show, and yet, and yet, it's like eighty percent about John Sunper and what what a wonderful guy he is, and how he he revolutionized animation in the early nineties, and blah 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 blah, and how he he agonized over the quality of the show. Bullshit. <laughs> Oh yeah, but there's there's a certain mention of a certain episode mistake that compared to the rest of the problems that they've had, it's it's too much. Yeah, what I love is in an interview, you know, John Sipper threw Bob Richardson under the fucking bus. Oh about yeah, say, about saying, oh, this guy was an idiot. He was stupid, 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 and all these this other childish insults. And John Semper still gets. You know, John Semper doesn't work that much in animation anymore. Bob Richardson does. Bob Richardson was a, worked on King of the Hill. Bob Richardson has a long career. He, Bob Richardson was never without work. He worked at Disney, didn't it? Say he worked on the on the Jungle Book. Yeah, yeah, he. <sighs> yeah, and in in this interview is 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 John Semper saying Bob Richardson's like a stupid stupid head or something, and or something equally as asinine and childish. And I think I think the most high profile thing that John Sumper worked on after Spider Man was like JJ the Jet Plane. 
Well, uh, it, it still gets some other work. It's not, but in the animation medium, yeah, that, that those were like the last of the of his. I've I've seen some of the other stuff he's done, and it, I'm gonna say it. He's he's more of a hack than uh, Lou Scheimer. <laughs> you know what? We we joke about Glenn Murakami a lot, and Glenn Murakami is not not like this guy at all. You know, Glenn Murakami no. is is good to work <laughs> with, not good to work for, but <laughs> but it's. But yeah, John uh, Semper is is a whole other level. It, it's and what I love is just how fans you know clamor around him like be, just because of this one show, this one show that wasn't that good anyways. It's, well, I think it's because he's like you know cooperating and stuff. I heard he released some of the storyboards into websites and stuff like that. So. Oh, let's let's talk about the storyboards because the storyboards you're talking about, I showed to Neil and. Uh, and I've seen animation storyboards from other animators. Um, you know, what Bruce Tim turned in at storyboards, what his storyboarders turned in after he trained them as storyboards, worked much better for animators to understand what they want. This is the same stuff that Marvel was doing in the 80s, where they gave these storyboards, they're more like movie storyboards, to these Japanese animators, like, okay, you figure this out. Yeah. And then you, you saw what I meant by uh, saying that the Japanese studios had more autonomy to kind of work with that. Yeah. Whereas, uh, you know, ACOM doesn't. Yeah, or any Korean studio, I should say, because any Korean studio is, uh, in this age, didn't have that level of autonomy yet. Or Yeah, oh. they, they just got it. They were like, what is this? And, and to be fair, to be fair, if given good direction, Korean studios can give good, good stuff. I mean, Don Yang, which is one of the suspected Korean studios that worked on Spider-Man, when when the actual keyframing was done by TMS and then Don Yang handled the rest, I mean, damn! In those Batman the Animated Series episodes, they did good work. And but yeah, this let, I'm. But I also heard that Bruce Tim uh, actually had to go to some of the studios and explain the sort of in between they were expecting, because uh, just going from point A to B uh, with more of a you know anime mentality doesn't give the same results that they were looking for, which were more acting uh, related. They had more stage presence, more like, you know, still shots where characters would express a lot of things uh, and not just, you know, move from point A to point B and then uh, slide background, speed lines, etc. So it's a very, that's why uh, Batman the Animated Series has such a an organic feel to it. It's- absolutely, absolutely. But the, you know, go, going back to John Semper, and I'm looking at his the interview again. What I love is the part where he claimed he, where he, like very subtly claimed he had the he did more work on Kiki's delivery service than he actually did. Uh, well, you're, I I think you were reading too much into it. He also uh, claimed he he also claimed that he was the last person to work with Phil Hartman. So, uh, I I'm not sure that was the the, the exact. Uh, claim there, but uh, I, I I can see how you got to those conclusions. Yeah, here it is, right here. It's yeah, that might have been his last gig. Yeah, he said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but that is not saying it's like it was for me or or, or anything. Well, he I said think. he worked for me. Yeah, he said he said that. Yeah, it's, I'm looking at. No, it. He, he said read the, the lines for him, but it wasn't like yeah, I was the one writing his checks and stuff. It's, for him, but it's, it's for me. It's 
it's it's very the fact that the matter was he was pre pre production and and Phil Hartman reading any lines was like months later they they were not in the same room together or the same building together at any point. Mm. I wasn't there. I can speak regarding that. So we'll see. Uh, so besides, we're we're, we're again uh, sticking too much to John Semper, which will eventually happen again. So uh, I'd say let's go, you know, right from the start in this case. Okay, well, you know, Marvel Animation, of course, started with Transformers and G.I. Joe with Toei Animation and Marvel Sunbow, you know, doing the uh, American side production. And, you know, Toei had lots of self-autonomy as a Japanese studio where they could send the sloppiest storyboards and they get good results. I mean... Neil saw the uh, storyboards that were sent for Transformers the movie, and how yeah, did get the deal? Story, the storyboards are actually on the uh, the DVD of Transformers the movie. You actually see like uh, a few of the scenes, and they they even show uh, the scene that didn't make it into the movie, which was uh, uh, a scene during the movie where uh, Ultra Magnus uh, drawn and quartered, and a bunch. No, He's not that. No, it was it was during it was during the fight in Autobot City because he he disappears for about twenty minutes. But there was a scene where he comes in during while well, Devastator's tearing apart the city, and it's like him, Trax, and uh, and uh, Red Alert. And this is a scene where Red Alert actually dies. And I saw I looked at that and I'm like, wow, uh, this is so sloppy. It's amazing. It's amazing this this movie looks the way it does just because you know I don't I don't see how they could have like sent this to to an overseas studio and it had a specific result in mind just because of what it what it was extremely lucky yeah. <laughs> and that's that's why i think that the scene where uh ultra magnus is like shuffling the matrix around in his chest i think that's why it looks the way it is because they the japanese studio did not know what they wanted <laughs> Just like what? What is this? And I, I think what it was is that it was supposed to be the Matrix falling out of his chest, but it wasn't animated that way. But yeah, it's after after the Age of Toei. Actually, during the Age of Toei is when uh, Nelson Shin, one of the directors, decided, you know, hey, Toei's getting a little expensive. I can create my own studio in Korea. You know, Korea, Japan, those are about the same, <laughs> and uh, get the same results. I promise. Wink. And yeah, it, the answer is no. No. And you watched Carnage and C Minor, which I strongly suspect was one of the first episodes of Season 3 to be animated, just because uh, one of the character models in that show is actually wrong. In and, the uh, in the Say Scale issues is being polite. Yeah, uh, it's the character Broadside, famously known for having... Uh, uh, the wrong character model because one of the early designs of the toy was completely different. And so that's why I think it's one of the first episodes animated. And this, this episode is so animated badly. It's, it's just, yeah, there's scale. I mean, I know we, we joke about transformers and scale, but no, this, this episode had some really bad scale problems and, uh, just a lot of characters, you know, being really stiff and, a lot of a lot of the wrong characters in the wrong scene. I mean, uh, uh, Braun and Huffer were in this episode, and they were supposed to be dead. Yeah, this this episode was bad, and the and you know after after a while, it's the uh, those shows finally died. GI Joe and Transformers finally died, and then 
And Marvel did some reorganization, and then they did the Fox X-Men series, or just X-Men, and that was animated mostly by Acom. Honestly, there's some Fili- there's some unknown Filipino studio that did some work as well, but mostly Acom. And then they had Harry and Barbera do some stuff for them as well in the last couple episodes. That those were special. Those were really special. They were short clips. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? At least the X Men cartoon is honest. They say they say Acom. <laughs> <laughs> They're honest. Yeah, and you know. This is where the flaws are starting to happen, where they have the same kind of character designs as the uh, older shows being sent over, the complex American designs or the Jim Lee-esque designs being sent over to these Korean animators that have no autonomy yet. And they're like, what am I supposed to do with this? Yeah, the character designs were too complex, and and the the storyboards they were getting were too simplified. So, (laughs) so yeah, that's why, that's why a lot of those cartoons back then look the way they do. Just because, you know, and it's not to say that the, that, that the Koreans are, are bad animators, but it's a, you have to imagine that this is a completely different, uh, region with its own, with its own philosophy about these things. And, you know, you can't just, you know, jump from, from one country to the next and expect to get the same results. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that happened near the end of the series when they completely, well, not completely, but they did change the designs a lot. They went with more some simplified designs, uh, more rounded designs, and the animation uh, was trying to be a bit more organic. But the problem is that it had a lot more bounce, the wrong yeah. kind of bounce. It was not even it, not it, even Glenn Kennedy bounce. It was completely different. It was it was the same bounce that the it was the Hanna Barbera people doing it it was like uh, the second season of, of captain planet bad yeah but it was like uh, back when disney was about to release the the snow white feature film where where they were going okay this is the first time we're going to do something that's close to realistic when it comes to human beings being animated and they did uh, some test uh, short films before they went full on with snow white and they got some weird results because they were still animated in the way, you know, the, the hose limbs, uh, everything was all squishy and stuff. Uh, and this sort of happened here too, because they, they didn't, you know, just change the, the designs to keep working in a more simplified way, which is something Batman the Animated Series did when the new animated series came in, new adventures came around, where they did change the focus, but the animation was like, okay, we got new designs, they work a bit different. Let's make the best out of them. Uh, so it all became more, you know, angular, uh, sometimes even violent. Uh, well, here it's what, like they w- went with more, you know, they went with the simplified style, but they completely changed and ignored the way that those designs should have been animated. And the results weren't, you know, what would have been expected. Yeah, those those results were special. And actually, you know, back to Spider-Man, when we looked at the that storyboard that Pablo sent us, the Peter Parker in there looked a lot more Peter Parker than the Peter yeah, Parker that, in the show. That was classic Peter, you know, with the two curls and stuff. Yeah. Uh, you, you could identify it right away. And he's, it's the only character design that changes. Uh, all the rest are exactly the same. 
And the, ah. the, the person to blame is actually John Semper. John Semper told the animators he wanted Peter Parker to look like Nicholas Hammond, who played the live-action Peter Parker Spider-Man in the 70s live-action CBS Amazing Spider-Man show. I hadn't recognized him up until recently because, you know, Nicholas Hammond was never anything close to a bodybuilder, which is like the, the standard body type that they use in the animated series. So, Yeah, there's... If you go to Nicholas Hammond on Wikipedia, you see that one shot of him dressed like Peter Parker down to the stripy shirt. It's you will, scary. You, you will see it, and it will just instantly click in your brain, and you'll go, Oh my god, what did you do? Why would you do that? <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's so bafflingly bad, because, because and another thing is to talk about, to focus more on Spider-Man, because this show will focus a lot more on Spider-Man than the rest, is... See, the TMS episodes have great expressions, all six episodes of them, because, you know, TMS, that's what TMS does. But uh, the ACOM, well, the unknown Korean studio episodes, I suspect they're ACOM because of one thing, the dead eyes. Yeah. <laughs> because Don Yang knows how to do expressive faces, at least. But but ACOM, they have what they call the fish eyes. The dead eyes, where all the characters have these dead-looking eyes, and they're just, like, staring, like, uh... <laughs> It's... As, as an animator, Pablo, what, what would you call those eyes? Uh, well, they're dead. <laughs> I mean, they, uh, it, it, we've seen other eyes many times before that don't actually have as much as motion as other eyes do. Uh, but usually when they make eyes that don't move much, they're, they, they have more life into it. Like, you know, anime usually it's all about the eyes most of the time. So, uh, they're not blinking every second or anything, but you, you can see that there was some thought put into it. It's like, okay, you know, the eyes are very important here. Let's draw the eyes. Right. Uh, well, here it's like, this gets lost right. a lot. And another habit I noticed in the uh, Fox series, animation-wise, is is it's not just recycling of the animation, which it does a lot of. It's it's there's there's times where you can tell that scene originally ran about uh, 15 frames a second, but they slowed it down. Oh yes, I never understood why they went that way. It's like maybe they had recorded a whole audio, uh, audio of the episode before and it's like oh no we're not making it we have don't have any more shots okay let's slow this down until it fills that blank spot we have with animation Something well it, that- it was a lot of decisions were made in pre-production as well because there were scenes where where what they did was to pad out a scene they they took one scene like 15 seconds of animation and they flipped it one way and then they put another scene, but another piece of animation between another 20 seconds. And then they played the other scene, flipped the other way for another 15 seconds. It's, they, they, they actually did a lot of flip sandwiches there. And some of them aren't noticeable, but the ones where they actually show Peter Parker are extremely noticeable because all of a sudden Peter's hair is parted the wrong direction. Yeah, it's like the Boba Fett scene in Jedi. Um, Boba Fett where? That's something that all the other, well, not maybe not all the other, but at least the, the ones that actually gave some thought into the animation never never did. I mean, yeah, you never saw that on X-Men, and it had a pretty long run, and it had many problems with animation, but you never got to see, 
like the same uh, sequence, you know, ultra slow down just to fill some space. Uh, neither did the, the second seasons for, uh, you know, Iron Man or Fantastic Four or the first season for the Hulk. Uh, well, it did happen a lot in the second season for the Hulk and in the first season well, for Iron Man. The second season of Hulk actually is, is where John Semper jumped in and. He did? He was in that too? I believe so. He claims credit for this, for that show. Dude. Yeah, he yeah, claimed, that... he, he claimed he worked on that show. Yeah, but uh, just tell me if, if he really jumped into after the it became Hulk and She-Hulk, that would have been scary. You know, that would have been a confirmation from all the things that I was fearing about that. Because uh, uh, but up in that point, most series uh, like, you know, the, the Marvel action hour where it had Iron Man and Fantastic Four, they went many steps up with animation. And... Hulk started very well and then went increasingly bad the moment it goes with Hulk and She-Hulk. Like, a lot. Well, you you know why, right? Because because uh, She-Hulk was voiced by, voiced by Kree Summer. Mm, I, I okay, never got okay it, here so. it is. Here it is. Uh, John Semper claims credit for The Incredible Hulk, but he only wrote two episodes in the second Which season. Second season. <laughs> uh, but only as a writer, right? Yes, yes, see, he, uh. Okay, it's but, but still he, bad. I, I can't blame the animation on him, but, uh, I do can, I can blame, you know, the, the horrible change of the mood that that series had. I mean, I, I think that was the closest that, uh, of the series back then that actually had the, the feel that I wanted out of a Hulk show. It's, you know, guy running around, escaping stuff. Being chased by huge stuff. Oh, oh, here, here, here's when we talk about this animation recycling in Spider-Man and them having to like stretch scenes out and and flip scenes to sa- to sandwich animation to to get to the runtime. Let me read a quote from this John Sepper interview. We always ran long. Lots of stuff. Lots of good stuff was always cut out every episode. Well, uh, we have to get one out of two things out of that. One would be that they cut out so much stuff that they had to use, you know, this filler footage. And the other is that, you know, that's bullshit. <laughs> uh, so at least when it comes to animation, I, I don't buy that. Yeah. And what about what about how they toiled to get the New York skyline just right? That Pablo, as someone who has lived in New York for... Uh, an extended period of time. Yeah, well, uh, I've only been, you know, a week or so, but still, uh, there's one statement over there that they work hard to to get, you know, the buildings from New York into that, and uh, at least every time they went with the CGI, most of the buildings are the generic boxes with squares. Well, well, that's because the PlayStation just started up and it was still loading. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. It's it it was you know the closest it got. I I remember I, I when I read that I I actually started looking for scenes where I could find one of the buildings that wasn't just a square with you know a cube with squares, and I did find them, but I wouldn't be proud of them. Because <laughs> It, uh, I believe I saw the, the Chrysler building, and, uh, well, uh, 
it might have worked well from a long distance, but close-ups? No, not really, because they were made out of cubes. It's cubes over cubes over cubes over cubes with squares. And so not not the best CGI representation of a New York building I've seen. Uh, uh, but the worst thing is that there was almost no need for that. I mean, we've seen many other episodes uh, from the Spider-Man cartoon that just use, you know, painted backgrounds moving along, and they did get uh, the feeling right. It did get the idea right, and it communicated. It solved the problem of communicated Spidey swinging over the the buildings and just putting these horrible backgrounds that don't match at all with any of the colored backgrounds really makes it suck. It, it stands out. There's nothing similar to that in the whole show, and then we are forced to see this CGI. Well, you, which... for, you forgot the you forgot the animation of an atom exploding that they used multiple times. One to show the uh, one to show the uh, the power of Prometheum X. The other time to show the symbiote's origin. The other time to show the Beyonder's origin. They used that CG of that atom exploding like six times oh. to explain six different very different concepts it was yeah. they, they they must have spent a fortune like tens of dollars on that animation well uh let's be honest uh, cgi animation was way more expensive than it is now right now you can do that I, 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 but but the but the that cg muppet from 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 the muppets you know 10 years before then was more complex than that when it comes to complex stuff, yeah, but maybe it's because they were trying to use particles, and maybe they were developing particles by then. Particle animation, it's something that... were circles. They were showing the atomic particles as circles, and it, it, this, this is nothing... I, I, I'm, I have very little 3D rendering knowledge, but I have some. I actually once I once actually once rendered a uh, a diner with a, with a plate full of peas once so I have a little bit. And, but you uh, know what that that Muppet you were talking about I think it was Oswald from uh, from Muppets Tonight or whatever the Jim Henson Hour. Yeah. Uh, they barely used him. I think I can remember one time he was in the show. Okay. So. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm just saying that that looked more complex than the atom exploding that they used six or seven times to explain six or seven extremely different concepts. That's the thing. It's a, and I know people are saying, well, as a kids can't catch that. I was a kid. I caught that. It's, I mean, the, the one thing that's funny to me is where they use clips from five different episodes in like a 30 second section. There, just to... There's so many problems in that, uh, but it also had some very uh, different problems that it had before. For example, uh, even though it, it, it has horrible problems where, for example, the scorpion goes into the, his mutated form and then in the next shot he's his human form and the same with other characters. Uh, we've seen errors like that even when it wasn't uh, being, you know, reusing animation. Like in the Vulture episodes, the Vulture deaths appear from time to time, you know, young, then old, then young, then old, and it's not part of the script thing it's uh, continuity issues so <laughs> just, well, at least that scene uh, has the excuse that it was reused animation but uh, again it was incredible it was like four or five different uh, episodes uh, stitched together in 30 seconds or something 
it's like, and this is original animation. This isn't like, you know, trying to fill two gaps in a Robotech series. Yeah, that, that's that's the thing that gets me. It's It, it isn't like Robotech where they have like, okay, we have to, and at least, at least with Robotech, you know, Macross, Mospita, and, and Southern Cross were at least animated by Tatsunoku, so there was at least some animation continuity somewhere. No, when, yeah, when, when you show... When that, you show... That's the thing here, uh, that you get to see these many problems with animation that was specifically made for this. And in, the fact that they started using different animation studios where one shot is filled with, you know, shading and the other doesn't, and they don't even bother to change the background. You get to see scenes that were clearly, you know, nighttime outside, and then you see daytime inside, and it, it just doesn't match. Uh, Neil, you were saying something? Oh, well, I was just going to say that Macross, and, or, or, or I was, I'm sorry, Robotech actually was animated by different studios. Uh, uh, I was talking to you the other day about uh, about how different episodes of Macross are animated by anime. That's right. Certain other did. episodes are animated by Tatsunoko. That's right. I think all of Mospito was animated by Anime Friend, and all of all of uh, of Southern Cross was animated by Tatsunoko. But they're still comparable enough that you know you you can kind of miss it if you're not really paying attention to it. This right. is like really obvious. Yeah, especially like you know one thing I caught production wise was uh, was certain shots. From the very first episode, which was a TMS episode, beautiful animation. Um, yep. The uh, certain shots are reused over and over again in such frequency that, you know, th- this was before digital, so they actually had like a master tape copy. So when they when when they were doing post over in the U.S. in Marvel Studios or Marvel Production or wherever the fuck they called themselves then, Marvel Animation. I, I don't know. They the same building. They just kept on changing the sign. They. <laughs> They, uh, they, you know, they use the same master tape to, you know, to splice that scene of the lizard smacking his tail. And by the 30th time they showed it, there was some heavy artifacting going on. Well, of course there was. You know, if you if you go over to Filmation and look and watch Secret of the Sword, uh, all all of the shots of He-Man tra- or Prince Adam transforming into He-Man, they all look like shit because they played it like a thousand times. Whereas all the transformation scenes of Shira. Look, look, brand spanking new because they were, they hadn't been run through the projector at least five thousand times. Yeah, <laughs> it's really obvious. It it really is, and, and like I said, it just the fact that this was a show that was made like right before digital, because it, if there was like five years later when digital was just being starting being used, they might have not might have gone away with it, but it wasn't. So they they couldn't. So they were running that tape down to the to the nub, basically, and so many other shots were bad. What what's really bad is when they when they were actually you know looping ACOM animation to just uh, you know get run times and and what I love is there are certain scenes that, as Pablo says you don't always need thirty frames a second and uh, Pablo I have seen the error of my ways my friend. Oh stuff. Anyways, uh. Some scenes where they use like five or six frames a second just to show a really, you know, just to show very subtle movement, like scenes of like Peter like moving his head back and blinking, it doesn't require that man- much an- animation frames. And if it's five or six frames a second, just to show Peter, you know, showing a shocked expression, and 
if if it's if it's run at the correct frame speed, it would look okay. But what I love is when they take that scene and then they slow it down to make it last an extra, you know, twice as long or three times as long. Yeah, that doesn't work that way. Animation <laughs> is, animation is about timing. You get to have the right timing every time you animate. It's especially because when working on TV, uh, you're using mostly limited animation because it, that just just don't make it work. So you have to use stuff called frame modulation, which is like, okay, we need more frames on this, we need less frames on that, and let's just make this work the best it can. And the moment someone, you know, just walks in and says, okay, we just need this shot to to work for more time, it has to last longer, and then just slows that down. It's like, no, every time you slow down, and if you want a fluid animation, you gotta add more frames. And it's like, nah, no need. And they just go with that. It 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 really fucks up the art of animation because animation it's time, timing. It's drawing in time. The moment you change the time, you change the timing, you change animation at all, and you break it. You just break it. In in you know the, one of the best episodes for me just to show how much of the part of this was from you know the Fox Spider-Man series we, we we make fun of obviously, but the X-Men series is just bad. But it 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 has a charm in that it, X-Men never really recycled. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would actually give the X-Men series more props than Spider-Man in that it, it animation-wise, it has more honesty. And well, it, it's not just in the animation department. Uh, for example, uh, even though the animation couldn't keep up and the last uh, season screwed badly, it was very influential with the rest of the way the the world per, uh, percepted the X-Men because the the comic books didn't get to reach every part of the world, but the animated series did, and that actually cartoon. had the cartoon. Yeah, the, the cartoon actually had the had the you know had to raise some interest, and the the comics eventually did reach those countries because of that. And one of the things that had, for example, it's like. Uh, in Japan, th- these were the X-Men that they knew. Japan. That's why. Huh? Uh, well, these were the, <laughs> these were the the episodes uh, uh, that they had seen, and that's why Children of the Atom, you know, the the X-Men fighting series, uh, pretty much picks up from the X-Men cartoon. Those are the sort of characters you see. It's time for intermission, boys and girls. Do you like retro shows? Did you grow up in either the 80s or the 90s? Then tune into Telecast, GeekCastRadio.com's newest podcast. Join us here on the Telecast as we revisit some of your favorite shows, such as Clarissa Explains It All, Salute Your Shorts, Saved by the Bell, and much, much more, only on GeekCastRadio.com. Grab your helmets because it's time to assemble Mask. The GeekCast Radio Network has launched Mask Mayhem with your hosts Optimus Solo and TFG and Mike. This podcast covering all 75 episodes of Mask will feature in-depth analysis of every episode, talk on the toys, and more. Mask Mayhem will run 30 podcast episodes. You can find us in iTunes and on www.geekcastradio.com. Get your spectrums ready as podcasting is the ultimate weapon. The, one of the funniest things, just to show how bad the design principle behind Spider-Man is, is the episode where the X-Men show up. Oh, yes, that's that's pretty obvious with it. I mean, because... How, this, how did the you... Sentinels look again, Neil? I don't remember. I remember them being really pastel 
in pink. Oh, yeah, they were pink. Uh, I, I know they look like shit. <laughs> I, I mean, it makes you look himself looked like, you know, the, the Garfield spin-off that, that had the yogurt handling, the yogurt vendor in the... Yeah, yeah, you, the Gambit ripoff whose power was to control all forms of dairy products. Anyways, yeah. uh, see, the thing that, is that that, 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 that Garfield like episode is better animated consistency-wise than that, than that Spider-Man episode. Yeah, no, and it's not just uh, on that, you know, the animation with the fu- fu- yeah, the footage being reused every day, the, the animation CGI out of control. The color palette is fucked up, especially when the X-Men show up. It's like, okay, we've seen this done before, we're going to do it worse. That's w- one of the things that I hate. And there, there's also this whole, oh, then we just walk away every time some evil stuff happens. That's like, uh, they... They probably wrote a scene uh, where someone just fell to their deaths or something, and they probably they went, no, no, you shouldn't do that. That's too violent. Okay, then they just stand up and walk away. I remember many of the scenes in, in the Spider-Man show that ended up, ended up that way. It's like you, you, they had no actually recorded soundtrack for that. So the music just kept on going, and you see the, the characters move without any other sound, just walking away from the bad stuff that was happening. Um, what, what, so- I love, what I love it when we talk about how bad the character designs were done, it's it, it's almost like the people on Spider-Man didn't really watch the X-Men series at all because because number one, a lot of the character were, characters were designed wrong. Number two, Gambit's eyes were wrong in both episodes, and and yeah. no one stopped them. No one said, uh, "Guys, you know Gambit has black eyes, right?" Mm-hmm. That that's one of the things that it had that. At least even in the crappy episodes of the last seasons of X-Men, they still had the right eyes for Gambit. So they can blame that. Uh, but no, it, it's... Besides, it it really didn't... That That's something that really stands out, that the Spider-Man cartoon didn't have any effect in the rest of the world when it came to, you know, the way Spider-Man was perceived back then. Uh, it did have something like... You know, it it did bring Spidey back in the spotlight. It was the first animated appearance of many Spider characters like Venom. Uh, it had many guest stars with crossovers. It did lend themselves to introductions. So, but it did, it a, did if it, would you say if it wasn't for that, there would be no Blade movie? Uh, As John I, Semper I'm claims, sure, I, I know he claims that it could be true. It could be complete bullshit. But Neil, we we don't get to say that much. N- Neil, your take. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I I would call bullshit on that, <laughs> just because the characters are are completely different. I mean, yeah, they got to introduce uh, one of the characters, one of the new characters from the movie, but even he was portrayed completely differently. Yeah, he was a proper British man that sipped tea. You know, Whistler was that in the Spider-Man series, but in 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 the, the Blade movies, what was Whistler like? He was he was Chris Christopherson. <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> Uh, but, um, Besides, you know, that's like when you're talking about uh, the cartoon, you know, the audience from that is a fraction of the people who went to go see uh, Blade movie. So <laughs> that that cartoon did nothing for that movie. Wesley Stipes did more. Chris Christopherson's name on the credits did more for that movie. Yeah. You know, if you're going to ask me to put my money down on uh, on what uh, what sold that movie, I'm going to I'm going to always bet on black. 
You know, I, I would say that lots of people who liked country music saw Chris Christopherson like, I gotta see this. Because, you know, Chris Christopherson, great songwriter. Mm-hmm. You know, he actually wrote Me and Me, My Bobby McGee. Really? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he's actually a well-accomplished songwriter. He was... <laughs> yeah, like I said, I, I would I would put more bets on, you know, country music fans seeing Blade because of Chris Christopherson than the Spider-Man series. It's, it's, it, what I love is, you know, back to the John Semper interview is when they were talking about the secret war and they're bringing in the fantastic four and, and, you know, John Semper totally, you know, as John Semper does, he totally like bitch slammed the, the fantastic four cartoon. Oh yeah. A lot. Uh, in a very non-professional way. And, and, but... and it's like, dude, your show wasn't that much better. <laughs> Well, the, uh, I do. What I do have to check is uh, the moment the Fantastic Four show up in the Spider-Man cartoon. If they if they were in the first season or the second season. Second season. Because second season. Yeah. Well, he he really should have hold back his tongue. I mean, it, it's entirely different. Yeah, the first way they're going was, with it. First season was Glenn Kennedy doing the animation with with that stupid theme song, Fantastic Four. In the second season was at least <laughs> trying something different. Yeah, the first season was very more cartoony, and it had lots of Deus Ex Machina fixing the ends of every episode. So Just like this, I'm, yeah, I, I really have to go with the second season. There's something really good about the, those second seasons, which are the the opening sequences. I love the opening sequences of the second season of uh, Fantastic Four and uh, Iron Man. The I second think they're season very of Fantastic Four was great because the opening was actually them doing animated versions of old Kirk, Jack Kirby covers. Mm-hmm. And the second That's season of, the of Iron Man was uh, channeling Black Sabbath. So. <laughs> there's, there, I, I believe that there's a lot to love in there. But yeah, it's... Uh, you know, what what other things in this John Semper interview should we touch on? Because, because as Pablo said, the, this man is showing no uh, professionalism in this interview. Yeah, if there were any bridges, he did burn them down a lot. Probably with kids on it. He thermoed At least with his co-workers, bridges. that's for sure. Wow. I mean, seriously, uh, he... Went with stuff like, yo, I hated that show. That guy's stupid, and and it wasn't like, no, I, I prefer my version better or something like that. No, they he actually went, oh, this sucks. That sucks. Yeah, that guy's stupid. I cried in pain when I saw that horror. He cried to the moon. He howled to the moon. Cry for the moon. And shook his fist. Yeah, it's uh. no, it's yeah. Well, actually, that that's the best part is on that Marvel Animation Age wikia. It's the fans just add more to it because the, the fans just totally, you know, just kept on going with it. You know, you talked about how great he was, and and <laughs> wow, I'm I'm looking at the uh, I'm looking that wiki at, that wiki entry should just be considered a fan because that's basically what it is. It's just fiction written by the fans. Yeah, and uh, you know, John Semper. Let, let's talk about his actual credits list because uh, let's see here, he. Uh, Let's see here. First thing I can really find what he really did actually work on was Smurfs. The American Smurfs, not the French, whatever it was called. 
and well, I, I think people would know that you're talking about the Hanna Barbera series and not and not uh, the Secret of the Magic Flute or whatever the hell that movie was. Sometimes you have to clarify because he did claim he worked on the, you know, he did claim that Phil Hartman worked for him on the, on the Kiki's Delivery Service. So let's see, yeah, Thirteen Goes to Scooby Doo, the show with the two scrappies. Yeah, the show with two scrappies is a flim flam. Uh, he wrote one episode. He didn't even write. He came up with the story of one episode of the Jetsons, the quote unquote second season. Uh, Neil can explain what I mean by that. Yeah, uh, basically the original Jetsons series was it was it's modestly popular, but the problem is they couldn't syndicate it because it only had 13 episodes. So they created a second season in the mid 80s to bump it up the, to the standard 65. When was the original first season made again, Neil? Uh. Late 50s, I think. So there's a 30-year animation gap. Yeah, and... Uh, you feel every I, year I, of it. I would argue that the, that the original episodes were animated much better. Oh, no argument. Let's see here. He, uh, The Moon Dreamers, he wrote five episodes of. Yeah, and The Moon Dreamers, I believe that was uh, part of My Little Pony and Friends. It was in the second season when everyone had stopped watching. Uh, Bionic 6, two episodes. Fraggle Rock, he worked on segments of stories, not even the full stories. And uh, he did the teleplay of one episode of DuckTales. The teleplay. It's uh, We're talking about clarification. Uh, we're talking about the cartoon version of Fraggle Rock, which was one season. Yeah. There was a reason for that because it was not of the same quality as Muppet Babies. Yeah. So what's a teleplay there again, guys? There was a cartoon season for Fraggle Rock? It's a yep. good thing you don't know about it, Paul. Wow. Anyways, uh, what's a teleplay of a yeah. cartoon? It, it, that's not even like a script, is it? It's it's. I uh, I think it's kind of more of an advanced script. It, it you know, I'm gonna have to look it up. I don't sound like an idiot. I think it might might be like a. Okay, a teleplay is a play written or adapted for television. So basically, it's it's a script that's written like a play. That's that's what I'm getting from this. So he. So John Semper, when he said he wrote a teleplay, he basically just adapted someone's story idea. So he took like something that like written like a, a story and wrote it to, in a script format, like you know John colon yes sir that's what I mean. Huh, yeah. Colon, you shouldn't do that, John. Yeah, and probably had uh, very rudimentary uh, you know uh, directions for how the scene should look or something like that. That's what it, that's what it sounds like to me. Wow. Because the only credit he has for DuckTales, which he, he touts in his own page, is a teleplay of one episode. Just one episode. That's weird. Well, then he worked on Kid and Play, the TV series. He developed that show. He wrote the scheme, screenplay for Class Act, the Kid and Play movie. <laughs> wait, wait, did... Did we actually establish that he worked on the Kid and Play cartoon series? Because I no I live action show. Okay. Oh, okay. I joked about that, but I couldn't establish it. I don't think he did. <laughs> you hope he did? Well, I, I was gonna say if he had worked on the cartoon series, that might explain some things. But and then he had writing credits on every episode of Spider Man. He, you know, he he claims that he worked on the story of every episode. So he's, basically, he's basically yeah, like, he fed up. He taught the ideas. Yeah, well, it's a, that's he what Stan, that's what Stan Lee claimed all the time too, and we know that's not true. Anyways, uh, uh, one episode of Extreme Ghostbusters, two episodes of uh, Incredible Hulk, 
JJ the Jet Plane video. Uh, let's see here. Uh, seven episodes of Static Shock. And uh, some other shows I've never even heard of. Oh, and here's the thing. Post-production, 2012, the movie, Neil, the movie, Creeporia. Oh, my God. Yeah, live action, 90 minutes, 2012, Creeporia, not released yet. And that's for the better, because <laughs> we watched the first episode well, of Creeporia the other day, and everything that was wrong with the Spider-Man series is in this show, including the timing problems. It's like it's like the guy doesn't know how to time a show. <laughs> There are things that he would let go on way too long, you know, just to pad out the show. It's ten minute episodes, and he still needed to stretch it. Yeah, it's yeah. It, what it is is Elvira done wrong? How do you do Elvira wrong? It's like find a sexy woman, dress her up in goth, and have her tell jokes. <laughs> well, number one, she's well, not that. Now great. they're making it different. They they recast her for the movie, and now. She's being played by twins. Well, so I have no idea her, why. Well, so I, I, I guess Harris, that the but... moment she. <laughs> well, uh, they 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 play harps. They're harp playing twins that are playing Creeporia, and they did uh, record four new episodes for another web series. I have no idea why. You know what's the thing? That, that that's probably one of the plot points of the movie. Probably she gets cloned or something midway through, and now we we totally know about that years before the movie is over. Which is kind of funny because usually the twin thing doesn't show up unless it unless you know something pops up in production that requires the twin thing to show up. Like uh, Linda Ham- Linda Hamilton has an identical twin sister, and you oh are yeah talking about the scene in uh, in Terminator Two yeah Terminator Two. Yeah, what happened? In the extended cut. Well, yeah, what happened was they needed a shot of of them removing the chip from uh, from Arnold's head, and they had this really elaborate shot to do, but they couldn't do it unless they had someone that looked like Linda to uh, to uh, you know be on the other side of the glass to make it look like a mirror, and and uh, James Cameron's like fussing over, it, and Linda says, "Hey, I actually have a twin sister," and then James Cameron's like, "Thank you, God." <laughs> <laughs> was that was that really the uh, the uh, the crisis there? Because yeah. I I thought that that scene was just born out of uh, out of the convenience of that, so that they could have Linda working on like this dummy in the foreground where you can't really see the face, and then on the other side of the mirror is uh, her twin sister with with Arnold, and they're just mimicking each other's movements. The way I heard it, the way I heard it was they had the shot in mind and they were fussing about how to get it done until Linda revealed she had a twin sister. Yeah, because otherwise they would have had to lock the camera down and have Linda do both both sides and just kind of like kind of do like a split screen where you know it would have looked a lot crappier than what it what they ended up with. Yeah, and uh, another time where you know convenient identical twins is uh, Nicholas Brendan who played Xander Harris in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, who should totally be cast as the, as the new Ash Williams. Just saying. Oh, yeah. he He's scaringly identical. He has a twin brother, and they were they they used that fact for making an episode of Buffy where Xander was split in two. Mm-hmm. And that's the only time. They, yeah. And, you know, if they ever did a... a a, an Evil Dead movie with Nicholas Brendan playing Ash, they should totally cast his brother, Kel- Kelly Donovan, to play uh, Evil Ash. Yeah, definitely. 
and then make it purposely look like a bad uh, th- green screen effect just so they throw people off. <laughs> <laughs> so bad it's good. But yeah, back to uh, back to about Creeporia. What's the plot of Creeporia again, Pablo? Um, she was a performer back in I don't know how many hundred years ago that uh, basically angered a vampire magician that turned her into a ghoul. And the only way she can lift this curse from her is if she becomes uh, a star again or she marries, you know, finds true love or something like that. And the thing is that given her appearance, she hasn't, you know, been as popular as she wanted and only got minor roles and stuff, which is something that I don't understand because uh, and unless it's from time to time that they make this very ugly CGI face <laughs> uh, where she goes into this sort of, you know, buffy vampire mode, you know, with the bu- with the bumpy forehead and stuff. Uh, the rest of the time, she's just a girl with white hair and... And quite a good-looking one, if I may say so. So I, I don't understand why why they, she keeps bringing that up. And, and, well, she lives in this crypt where she has, you know, like a skull that's a friend of hers, uh, another corpse. And that just pops up to tell a, a one-liner. Demon. Yeah, uh, and a demon and stuff. Uh, and in the last episode, you know, the fourth episode of the first web series season or something. Uh, she gets a note that they're going to move in another corpse into that because she's not legally living in that crypt because, you know, she's not dead and stuff like that. And, and then they go, oh, we got to scare them so that they go away and, and they never come back. Okay, we're going to do this. And then it ends on that cliffhanger and it says, you know, stay tuned for the next Creeporia. And it's like, oh, where did I see this before? A cliffhanger ending for a series that's not having some sort of sequel by now? Well, Sounds familiar well, at all? Let's, let's be honest. Yeah, we're let's... totally going to get Mary Jane Watson. She's going to be, oh, now I get it. Did you hear <laughs> what his plans were about for where Mary Jane will have been found? Oh, God. I want to hear Neil tell this part of the story. Neil, what would, what, if there was going to be a sixth season of Spider-Man, and we're going to explain, first of all, why there was only five seasons. It's because he reached 65 episodes. Uh, John Semper claims blad, bad blood, uh, people were out after him, and all this other bullshit. No, the show reached 65 episodes. That's why it was canned. And it wasn't canned as much as it reached 65 episodes. This is the Magic Syndication number. Yeah, that's... That's a lot of shows that were produced in the 80s and early to mid 90s. They always stop at 65 episodes. Sometimes That's shows the reason like we got Robotech. Yeah, sometimes there are shows like Transformers that go go to 65 episodes and then then they get an extra season that pushes it up to like 80 to 90. Like uh, Transformers season two was was extremely long, but that's because they were going for 65, and then season three was about half that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so that's basically why Spider-Man stopped where it did, because, uh, if they had gone any longer, you know, they're producing shit. There is, there is no, there is no redeeming, uh, quality to this show. There was, there was no reason to go any farther than what they did. So, uh, yeah, what would the next season of Spider-Man consist of, Neil? <sighs> was, wasn't it a time travel, uh, 
In Victorian Fuck. era England, where Carnage is Jack the Ripper. Oh my God. Ugh. Where they would find Mary Jane Watson, actress. So I have this theory now that Creporia is actually Victorian era Mary Jane Watson being cursed by a vampire. Probably Blade's mother or something because he loves Blade so much. Oh my god. That all makes sense. sense. That's a demon. That's a demon. No, something isn't right there. But well, maybe maybe we will get a, a, a reply and answer to the cliffhanger ending of the web series once this twintastic movie comes around. Oh god. Anyways, it's uh, you know, like I said, if you read John Semper's interviews and notes and other rantings and ravings, he does paint a very negative picture of everyone he was involved with in the production. And he also claims conspiracy theories that the network was against him. A.V. Averad was against him. Stan Lee was against him. Everyone in the whole building was against him. And he was the only sane man alive. And the only reason the show was... No, I think he did, like, uh, he did tell, like, he was best friends with Stan Lee or something. Uh, We're not best friends, but it's like, yeah, Stan called for me. And I was well, after and... after their first choice, they were trying to poach someone from Batman the Animated Series, and that deal fell through. <laughs> <laughs> and well, uh, the version he gives is that guy was getting fired, even though we didn't hire him. He's getting fired. <laughs> well, I think was Warner Brothers up that guy's salary, <laughs> saying, "Oh, you can't quit because we just gave you an extra thirty grand a year. <laughs> you can't quit because you have a new car." <laughs> it's like the announcer from The Price is Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah tell him what he's won by staying with us. A new car! <laughs> A new dishwasher! This this Kenmore stainless steel model has a... <laughs> yeah, it's... Does the bikini model come with it? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think the fact is who, who the nameless person that they that Marvel's trying to poach basically got a counter offer. Most likely, and the counter well, offer was <laughs> was good enough for him to say, "Yeah, I'm, I'm not going," <laughs> because <laughs> basically John Semper was at the very least, at the very most, the second choice. Well, I, got I know the second wasn't choice the first over. choice when they went with Spider-Man Unlimited, uh, which another show he hates. Yeah. Uh, even though it's much more consistent with animation styles and everything, and Peter Parker at least looks like Ben Rayleigh, and the color palette is, you know, solid, and it doesn't have any ugly CGI. Uh, and it did try to make some new concepts and designs, even though it sort of failed compared to of course uh, good shows like Batman Beyond. The Peter Parker in that series looks like looks like Fighter from Final Fantasy. But, you know, you know <laughs> yeah, that's talking about unlimited and new concepts, come on, that's that's a twenty ninety nine costume with, with with some with some extra red on top. You know what's what's scary for me? The fact that the Spider Man Unlimited costume looks pretty close to the actual amazing Spider Man costume they're doing now. Oh God. Yeah. But no, I mean, it really had a better art direction there. Well, they, of course, they, it was much more consistent. I, there was never an episode where something was so off model. You say, "Wow, that was off model." While the while the Fox series had that all the time. It's a uh, animation wise, this year this series fell short, fell flat, and uh, and as 
if as soon as you talk about animation recycling and all the other stuff, uh, you know, John Sepp talks about how he would catch these mistakes and stop and and save this animation director from himself and you know throwing oh, Bob Richardson. Yeah, that us. and that wasn't it. That wasn't right. And, and saying saving them from their own idiocy and all all this other stuff. I mean, this guy talks nothing but smack. I mean, it's. In Pablo, all I did was okay. Everything everyone else did was bad. Yeah. The reason we're using lasers and stuff like that, it's because the Power Rangers were banned from Canada and also the Spider-Man cartoon. Yeah, I yeah, mean, that, the that, Batman. I mean, that's exactly what he said. He said the reason why the show was censored was because because Power Rangers is banned from Canada and because of Batman the animated series. That they were getting some bad feedback or something like that. Uh, this way, this could be true because we all know that due to some viewers' response, the the whole animated series had to be a bit reworked, even though it it still kept with a lot of the things that it had going before. There was a change in direction in, in the new adventures. Well, that, that's Batman. true, but they, they kept it, going. It focused more on characters, you know, like the colorful villains and stuff. It still was a serious thing, but. They added the the new Kid Robin and stuff. Well, part and part of it is part people. of it is I think is because uh, Bruce Tim understood how to build a rapport with uh, with censors and was able to talk to him and uh, reason why he wanted something that was very violent and get it. Well, uh, well, you know, John Semper talks smack about everyone. I imagine he was the same back then because he he actually named people. He named people who were Fox executives. He he he's claimed that there was like a bitter rivalry between him and whoever was running Fox Kids back then about why the show was canceled. And the fact that he was like this after he was after the show was over just makes me imagine what he was like when the show was running. I mean, you know, Bruce Tim every you know Bruce Tim was able to f- form a good rapports with people and, and the censors especially that's how he's able to get guns john semper i imagine was not quite as personable you know i imagine i imagine yeah. that he couldn't get the same get away with the same stuff because he just couldn't uh control himself uh neil what do you hmm. think oh uh, well I, I was thinking see the other day i had i had looked at that and i i could find things that were like inconsistent with with what he said because there were there were certain things about the show that you know he didn't have to do but he did it anyway and it and the censorship had nothing to do with it you know like the the thing with uh with the pushing and the and you know with whenever someone would fight they'd just grab each other's shoulders and push each other or like when uh i think it was the punisher who threw someone through like a concrete floor and it was that kind of stuff where it was so ridiculous, and yet they wrote it into the show. And it's just like, well, how do you explain that? Because you know that's okay. You can write around guns. You can you can you can you can you can have it so that guns really aren't part of the show. But you can't explain. You can't just blame stuff on the censors where it's you've written stuff something to be totally childish, and where you're like trying to go for uh, for like a toddler level. Uh, uh, understanding of violence which is weird because we have spectacular spider-man that actually has way more kid-friendly designs and still works better around the censorship than this series did well like yeah. i said i think part of it is john semper d- didn't understand how to really form rapport with the with the censors it's like you know bruce tim was 
able to reason away the Joker shooting a Tommy gun by by telling the censors it's illegal to buy a Tommy gun, thus no kid could ever replicate that scene. <laughs> which which is which is epic level BSing to a censor, but it worked. <laughs> but but you know John Semper, you know with with Spider Man they have laser guns and I will destroy you instead of killer or. It's 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 just such a level of kiddieizing. It's and the thing is this. It, it's like Neil said once on the Teen Titans episode. Is you can know the reason of it, but that doesn't make you say, "Okay, now that I know the reason, now I can enjoy this." I can't do that. Yeah. It it it's like oh, so. This is why the show is shitty. Does it all do? Does it like balance some sort of internal mental scale? No. No. But some people would tell uh, you it does. Because then it'll tell you that in the theoretical version of the show, in your mind, if 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 you balance it out to this is what the show could have been in your mind, that's why it's good now. What? <laughs> well, it's weird. I mean, we it never had this sort of problems, even with the X Men cartoon that was basically almost right at the same time near the end. Well, yeah, the X Men cartoon it's... had Scott Summers uh, castrated by a carnivorous vine, so. Uh, yeah, that got back to censors. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, what kind of what the kind of what style. kind of baseball joke were they telling the censors when that aired, Neil? <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> because as John K put it, the way they get stuff by the censors is like, "Hey, did you see the game last night?" <laughs> oh yeah, that that's a comment that was made on uh, the the uh, the Adult Party cartoon DVD where he was explaining how. Uh, how animation directors would sit down, would have the censors sitting down, you know, watching the show on a monitor, and whenever something would come up, they would tap him on the shoulder and like and make some comment about something in the news or or in sports, and like and then the censor would be like, oh yeah, you know, respond to it. And even if even if they kind of brush it off, it's still that that split second where something happened on the screen and they missed it, and that's how stuff would get on would get into Ren and Stimpy and. It would get into uh, the new adventures of Mighty Mouse and stuff like that. That's why the new adventures of Mighty Mouse was just totally off the wall and not like anything that was on on Saturday morning up to that point. And one thing I have to say about Spider-Man is there was nothing quite like it on before or after, but that's not exactly a good point because I've never seen a show recycle this much before or after. You know, not even He-Man. <laughs> wow. He-Man at least changed the backgrounds when they used to change. <laughs> yes. Which is something yeah, that least... they didn't do here. Well, that's because everything was sent, you know, this was before digital posts where everything was sent on tapes. They they really couldn't, like, separate the layers here. Yeah, but you just had to order, you know, can you give me the same thing with a different background? It It doesn't cost you that much. I mean, actually, the, because I really... Back this was when they were st- starting to use the digital animation, which would explain the, uh, you know, infamous amounts of CGI. Uh, so they could just swap the backgrounds real easy if it is done the way I believe it was done. So you only had to order that, or or maybe even they could could slash should have ordered just the characters with a green screen in the back. And so they could use any background they wanted. And that's what they did with the CG. That's what they did for the CG. And we saw that. that, That's why I don't understand why they didn't go with that. It's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, we could do that. Or we could just be over with it. So 
yeah, that's uh, looking looking at the episodes that were done with TMS. It's uh, let's see here. Funny thing is, it's really scattered. It's really scattered. They, they they did TMS like three in the first season, one in the second season, one in the third season, one in the fourth season, and none in the fifth. It was the, the fifth season was all ACOM all the time. They they managed to get a little bit of uh, TMS in each and every single episode. <laughs> God. Maybe their awesomeness will rub into us if we just put it in the same episode. Yeah. Oh, uh, we forgot to mention one thing that uh, that Pablo actually mentioned to me was uh, Pablo Spider Carnage. Spider Carnage. There's a huge problem with when it comes to animation and design with Spider Carnage, other than the ugly, you know, black painted over mouth with black face. Uh, which is that Spider Carnage in the comics was Ben Rayleigh, so the the suit that was under that, you know with Ben Reilly being possessed by Carnage, was the, the second Spider-Man suit, the one with the large spider and the non-belt scheme and the random webbing parts. And the, extern- web- the, and, the exter- and the external web shooters. Yeah, and the external web shooters. And the thing is, uh, you get to see in the episode itself during a flashback, yeah, another flashback, uh, how Ben Rayleigh tells the story of how the other Peter Parker from his dimension got possessed by the Carnage symbiote. And you see that uh, Ben's wearing the Scarlet Spider suit and Peter Parker is wearing the traditional Peter Parker Spider-Man suit. And the moment he starts to get possessed by the symbiote, his suit morphs into the second Spider-Man suit. (laughs) And every time he faces in and out of this Spider-Carnage thing, the the costume goes back to being the original Spider-Man costume, which would make no sense at all. Uh, but I'm I, 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 I'm trying hard to find you know like a, a no price explanation to fill in this blank, and the one I found would be that it would have been the symbiote's ability to you know change into other clothes all the time, like when Pete was wearing the black suit. And he would just morph it into other clothes. And so somehow his twisted uh, subconscious just morphed the symbiote around like and created this new costume on top of the old costume. Uh, but yeah. uh, that's, we all know that's bullshit. So yeah, it's uh, in the, just those episodes had problems anyways, the, the secret war and the spider war and the, it, it was just you know, not a Go ahead. Maybe this was another nod back to the John Hammond series, Nicholas Hammond series, because the Nicholas Hammond series actually had the clone episode. Nicholas Hammond had a clone saga? Yep. A one episode clone saga. You know, did the they, original did story the was based saga on. Did run back then? Well, it wasn't the saga back then. It was just a clone episode. You know, it was, oh, oh we cloned Peter Parker and we have him fight Peter Parker. In the comics? No smokestacks, no mysterious clones, no. Thousands of clones, no spider side, no cane, just one clone. Oh my so god! So maybe we could spider side. Oh my god! Sort of, well, you found it. You mentioned spider uh, side. I can't believe. I you. remember the it, the clone had the most stupid death of all. I remember he just like threw some web line to another building, and he started you know walking over that web line and then fell off or something. I don't remember that well. It, I had I was. Like seven years old, and I saw it on VHS, 
Well, at least you didn't. Me- so, at least you didn't mention Kane. Yeah, who's now the new Scarlet Spider, by the way? Oh, holy God, no! Anyways, anyways, <laughs> this. Yeah, the uh, the last episodes were really bad. Actually, the the worst part was they had as one of the Spider Men. A Spider-Man from our universe who wasn't really Spider-Man, who was just an actor who played Spider-Man for a television series. Wow. So, Nicholas Hammond showed up, and oddly enough, he was the only one that didn't take his mask off. The, the one time the one time that, you know, Nicholas Hammond would have looked like Nicholas Hammond, and it was okay to show him that way, to use that Peter Parker design, and they didn't go with that. What does that tell you? That was just so funny to me. Wow. Nicholas Hammond. It's what does John Semper have for Nicholas Hammond? Is it's uh is is it like what Spider Man fans have for John Semper? I mean an unreasoning hmm. devotion to something that isn't that good. <laughs> yeah, because the the that Spider Man T V show was terrible. I mean the Japanese show is better. Wow. <laughs> I'm not kidding. At least on the Spider-Man scenes, that's for sure. Well, that's because the, the, the Japanese Spider-Man, he could at least do the comic book poses. I mean, when Nicholas Hammond was in the suit, he, he, he like, he like had his butt sticking up when he was trying to do the crawl pose. And but while the Japanese guy knew how to like, you know, pose like the comics. I think, I think the, the Spider-Man from 321 Contact did a better Spider-Man. Ooh. But actually, or, or wait, was it, or was it, uh, uh, no, it was the electric company. Yeah, electric company. Wow. But yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a. Yeah, Nicholas Hammond Spider Man. Yeah, he had his ass sticking up in the air all the time when he was doing those poses. It was, it was, he was not a good Spidey. And, but some reason, the, out of all the things that the, in the past that they could draw off of, it's a, you know, you know, John Semper in an interview said he hated Spider-Man's Amazing Friends. He hated the Spider-Man cartoons in the past. But no, he loved Nicholas Hammond. It's like, you know, more Nicholas Hammond. It's, yeah, wow. So He apparently also liked Frankenberry. <laughs> oh, yeah, Neil, t- talk about that. Yeah, uh, for some reason. Uh, see, Frankenberry has this divot that's like right in the middle of his skull. And for some reason, uh, so does so does uh, uh, Venom in the in Spider-Man the the cartoon. Yeah, and it, I don't understand why because it just looks so stupid. It was never like that in the comics. And, and what I love is in the like the later Venom episodes, Venom has this pattern on his forearms, like these like these lines and shit. And it, it I could swear it's like it's like a character design error that they just sort of kept in. That's utterly bizarre. Yeah, but yeah, it's I just uh, linked in the uh, for our for uh, for my pals here some clips of the Nicholas Hammond Spider-Man with his uh, you know you, you'll see it while I'm, while I'm talking about you know whenever he tries to do the spider crawl his 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 his, his ass is sticking straight up it's it's he he was not a good Spider-Man <laughs> it's. Because you have this image in your head of what Spider-Man's supposed to look like when he's, like, crawling on the wall and stuff, you know? Yeah. And uh, so, let's see, any other thoughts about the, about this era of Marvel animation and specifically the Fox Spider-Man? It blows. 
Pablo? Um, go you go first, no. I basically said everything I'm gonna say. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I believe that it, it was a very mixed bag, and personally, I believe Spider-Man is one of the worst when it comes to animation. It is the worst when it comes to animation. And I believe the the one reason why many people do do have fond memories of this era is because it was a gateway for the Marvel Universe to many kids. Many of the characters uh, first got any sort of exposure here to many of the fans that are now fans by now. Uh, but it also had... It was very weird. It had many... It had its good moments, but a lot of bad moments too. There was a lot of not really going all the way because they were afraid of, you know, getting censored or stuff like that. And I, I'm amazed how they were sort of starting to peak at one point. I believe with the Hulk 96 series, it, it did have the right tone, but then they went with Hulk and She-Hulk and they started making it all, you know, goofy and stuff. And then Avengers United the Stand comes by and well, that's, that's horrible because it had horrible animation. It was nerf as hell. It wasn't like a comics at all. Uh, they forgot entirely what characters they were writing because th- they didn't match with what they were supposed to be at all. Uh, and then there was this Silver Surfer animated series that was really trying to make something entirely different from what had been done before. They made some interesting choices with the art. Uh, but it had, you know, rewrites everywhere. It got canceled again in something that could be a, a plot hole or, you know, a, a loophole or something. I don't know. This, this whole, this era had a, a scale of a universe, but the art styles clashed violently. So it was hard to put one show next to the other. There were good and bad choices, executive meddling that never helps. You need good bullshitters and people that care a lot to make good shows. And of course, Toys, toys, toys. This was 90s at its finest. Comics were a faithful reflection with that. I mean, comics in the 90s were a mess too. So it's kind of fitting that a series that was based on the 90s iterations of the characters was messful, messy too. That's I think a, that's all I have to say. That's a very good way of putting it. it it's, uh, but one other note I have to put is some of the censorship was just extremely funny. Like the show was, uh, like, you know, the Sinister Six in the comics were called the Insidious Six versus Sinister Six. I mean, <laughs> I mean, need I explain why that's funny? See, that's kind of what I was talking about is that if you know you have to nerf something so much, why even do it at all? Why don't, why don't you just write something that caters to the limitations that you have with, with the sensors and then you can do something that, okay, it's not like the comics, but it, it can stand on its own. Whereas they're trying to adapt stuff and they're like, okay, how do, how do we, how do we like, like dumb this down? And it, that never works. It's like, yeah, we want to do an episode with vampires, lots of vampires, but uh, okay, we can't have blood consumption. We can't show blood. We can't do anything regarding, we can't even say the word blood. That was the example I was thinking of. The, the stupid vampire. I need plasma. Which is basically filler. It's, it's, it's like, it's like a carnivore saying, I need the filler that's in sausage, not the actual meat. Yeah. Because... Well, it's, well, there, there's one thing that 
I, I gotta I do gotta say about this era, at least in regarding the X Men cartoon, it was that it, the stakes were high all the time. Either the world was going to end or someone was going to die, uh, and it had you know like a, a large scope of stuff that was going on. That that sort of made many people disappointed by the time that the the X Men movie, Brian Singer's X Men movie, came around. And also when X-Men Evolution started, because it, uh, it's, it really went for a more down to earth, let's start small approach. And some people were still sort of hyped with stuff like, you know, the Shi'ar, Apocalypse and many other huge events that they got to see in the X-Men cartoon back then. So when this new era that was more character driven came around, it sort of, you know, disappointed some fans that some sadly didn't give the new series the chance it deserved. And I believe that when the Wolverine and the X-Men came around, they started to amp it up again, but it was perhaps too late for it. Right. And uh, let's wrap this up. Uh, this was our little special on the, on the 90s uh, Marvel animation, specifically Spider-Man, a little bit of a, of a showcase of uh, the career of the illustrious uh, savior John Semper and uh, <laughs> and uh, and many other things and once again if anyone actually wants to defend Fox Spider-Man you're welcome on the show um to, to see uh, this is your host Ben with TV's Mr. Neil and Pablo Prino and we're saying or something I still need a tagline and we're saying good night goodbye